Today we're going to end a, a series of messages and four uh, messages, the fourth one today. And it, the message title has been, Who You Say I Am, Who the Lord Jesus Says I Am. And that's who he is, right? And I just, uh, I love that contrast that we could share this morning between the message, but that truth about who he is. And there's so, there's so much in there and I can't, uh, I can't get into all the details right now, but I just trust that was a blessing for everyone. I love that stuff. So today, I, as I mentioned, we're going to continue our series of messages. So we've been going through uh, who you say I am, and there's actually 20 things that God says about who we are. And so we've done 15 of them, so I'm going to read them out to remind you, and uh, for those that have missed any of them, you'll hear them right now. And it's this. So we're going to go from 1 down to 15, then we're going to finish the last five out today. And I just believe that this is a message that God's been speaking to my heart, but he's also been speaking to our church about who he says that we are. And we need to live in that truth of who the Lord Jesus says that we are. So here it is. The first one, I am chosen. The second one, I'm going to rip through them here. I am chosen. I am called of God. I am being changed into his image. I am a new creation. I am the temple of the Holy Spirit. I am forgiven. I am redeemed. I am blessed. I am the head and not the tail. I am above and not beneath. I am victorious. I'm set free. I am strong in the Lord. I am healed by his wounds, and I am free from condemnation. Aren't those amazing truths about what God says? And he doesn't just say them about me. He doesn't just say it about someone in your family. He says it about you. That's who he's talking about. He's talking to every single one of us. So one of the things that God said to me from the beginning of this is he said this, don't believe the words spoken about you. Believe the words spoken through you. The truth is, is that every single person in this room has probably had words spoken about you at some point in your life, right? Maybe it's that you're too skinny or you're too fat, you're too short, you're too tall, uh, you're too crazy, you're too quiet, you're too, the list would go on and on and on, right? But everyone's had words spoken about us. But the truth is, God tells us, don't believe anything of those things that those people, that other people would say about you. Why would we believe the words that someone else has said and not fully embrace and not believe the words spoken of what God, what he would say that you and I are? Isn't that the truth this morning? So today, let's continue to look and let's try to see the world through the eyes of Christ through these words. Uh, so today we're going to conclude with these uh, five declarations. They're really declarations. You could just say one of them uh, over yourself every single day. You could just cycle them through. But uh, let's look at the last five declarations this morning. Here's the first one. I always give all five up front because I'm just bad at secrets. All right. Here's the first one. Some pastors would like su make you suffer through like an hour sermon and then give you the five at the end. Anyways, I'm not going to do that. Here's the first one. I am reconciled to God. We're going to talk about that in a second. I am joint heirs with Christ. Isn't that an amazing statement? I am joint heirs with Christ. The third one for today is I am more than a conqueror. All right? The uh, fourth one is I am accepted in him. What an amazing truth. And finally, we'll wrap up this morning. I am complete in him. All right? So let's go to our first one today. I am reconciled to God. It comes from... Uh, 2 Corinthians 5, verse 18. Each one of these has a scripture reference, so you can write them down or uh, log them into memory, whatever works best for you. So let's read uh, 2 Corinthians 5, 18 together. It says this, All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. God has a redemptive plan to reconcile 
the world. That's his plan, is to reconcile the whole world. He wants to redeem everything. He wants to redeem the whole world. I couldn't, I didn't put this on my, uh, on my notes here that I have with me right now, but I was thinking about it this week when I was preparing for this. I love the story of Ruth in the Old Testament and how uh, Boaz redeemed her. She was uh, forgotten because her husband had, had died and she just was out of the picture, so to speak. But Boaz redeemed her, and that's a picture of what Christ has done for us, what we've, what we've lost, what we've, uh, what's been put away in our life, what doesn't exist. God is redeeming us for his glory. So no one's forgotten, no one's left behind, no one is abandoned in any way. So what was abandoned, taken away, stolen, God's plan would be that all of it would be redeemed. I think of people that have uh, wayward kids, and God's plan, whether they like it or not, is that they would be redeemed. That's God's plan. If we have uh, uh, people in our family that are uh, far from God, God's plan is that they would be redeemed. If they ever ask you, well, what's God's plan for my life? His plan is that every one of us would be redeemed. That's his plan. For us to see God reconcile the world, we must consider what we need to sacrifice and suffer for in his name. This is an interesting uh, point. If God's going to reconcile the world to himself, that means that you and I, we need to sacrifice for the sake of Christ. We need to sacrifice for him. We are part of the story that God is writing. Everything in our life begins with God. I love the start of this scripture. All this is from God. And we look at sometimes as material things, all this from God. Uh, I think, I'm not sure if it was last night. It was probably the night before. I think it was Friday night. I, for, I forgot to turn off my sprinkler. So anyway, so I was out there in the dark, like trying to find all my stuff to shut it off. And I was looking up in the sky and all I could see was the expanse of the universe. You guys seen that, right? Okay. Some of you will go outside at night and some of you don't. Okay. That's fine. Some of you just look at it on the internet and don't go for real. Okay. All this is from God. All of what he's created, all of it is from God. Every single part of it. I love the nature up here. It's all from God. He's given all of it. He's given every single part of it to us. We must guard against our own pride to see that all this is from God. I always have to remind myself, sometimes I can get arrogant and think, I did that. No, I didn't. Don't be stupid, Jason. All of this is from God. Every single thing that we have and possess and have been given or whatever, however you want to look at it, all of it is from God, every single part of it. So what uh, reconciliation uh, means for us today is these three things. So i got three points about reconciliation. Here's the first one. God is, dr- is the driving force behind the redemption of humankind. God is the driving force behind the redemption of humankind. Reconciliation comes solely at God's initiative. Isn't that interesting? Reconciliation only comes from God. Only comes from God. Here's the second one. God acted through Christ's death, and Christ alone is the means of reconciliation. You would know this. Christ alone is the means of reconciliation. Here's the third one. God continues to act through those who have been reconciled. That should be us, all right? They have the privilege and responsibility to share in this great divine enterprise and are to call others to be reconciled to God. We're to share in this amazing responsibility, in this enterprise as it's worded, to bring others, to call others to be reconciled to God. Isn't that an amazing responsibility for every single one of us? Amazing. Uh, in the, I was looking at the scripture text here, so let me give you a little bit of info here. The noun reconciliation is important. The verb 
Uh, reconcile, reconcile is also important. These are important parts of the text. You see, when the verb uh, reconcile is used in the active voice of Christ or God, it's always the subject. When it's issued in the passive voice, human are, humans are the subject. So this is really what the scripture is saying, what this lesson is teaching us. In other words, God reconciles, man is reconciled. Isn't that an amazing truth? God reconciles, but man is reconciled. You see, Christ's death is for all people, everyone, everyone that has ever walked the earth. Through Christ, God provided reconciliation for all people, making all those who are in Christ a new creation. We learned about being a new creation a few weeks ago. We see we have a responsibility. This is our responsibility. The task of winning the unreconciled to God is committed to us. What a responsibility. That task is given to each and every single one of us. Each, in our workplace, in our school, in our neighborhood, wherever we go, it's our responsibility. God, uh, it's God's given us the task of reaching those people. So that's the first one. I am reconciled to God. All right, so let's go on to number two here. I am joint heirs with Christ. Uh, man, I always get excited about all these ones. They're so good. Okay. I am joint heirs with Christ. Let's read Romans chapter 8, verse 17. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. Isn't that amazing? Our suffering, our suffering because of Christ allows us to be glorified with Christ. Isn't that an amazing, amazing principle? And if children, so we're the children, then heirs. We are heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. I love that in verse 17. To be a child of God is to be an heir. I have this quote for you this morning. All that Christ claims as his will belong to all of us as well. Isn't that amazing? All of Christ's claims as his will belong to all of us as well, every single one of us. You see, as children and heirs with Christ, we are members of the same family. So we share in the trials of life as well as the benefits. Children of God are defined as this. I love this definition I found. Israel and the church are the chief object of God's fatherly love. Isn't that amazing? People become God's children through faith and are then encouraged by Scripture to imitate their Heavenly Father in their daily living. So amazing. You see, God is daily preparing us for eternity with him. Every single day, we're being prepared for eternity with the Lord Jesus. Every single day. Being an heir to Christ is about obedience. This passage in Romans teaches us these three principles. I got three things again this passage teaches us. Uh, God promises, the first one, God promises both to save us, which is the gospel, and to keep us, which is preservation, which gives us confidence of final salvation. We have confidence in our salvation once we call upon the name of the Lord for the first time. God motivates, uh, motivates us to love and serve him and convicts us increasingly of our sin. Uh, we live in a world where people do not like to be convicted of their sin. Why is God speaking all these things to me? I feel like I need to change something in my life. Yes, you do. Stop fooling around. Change it. Make it new. Oh, man, can't tell you how many times. I can see a 16-year-old in my mind's eye. Pastor Jay, it's just my life. Stop it. Start living for God, and things will start to come into focus. See, oh, man. Okay. Okay. 
This is a long weekend. I shouldn't be doing this. Okay, so God motivates us to love and serve him. You guys know that I say we get to serve, and that's got to be the heartbeat of our church because we know that God loves us. We know that. But we also know that because of that love, we need to serve others. We need to serve people. I, I'll never forget when we did the car wash a few weeks ago, there was a guy with his big truck, and Frank almost had to just mangle him for him to believe that we were going to wash his truck for free. It almost got into a fist fight. You know, Frank was ready to go. And uh, <laughs> Sorry, I called out Frank. I shouldn't have done that. It was Omer. No, okay. <laughs> Omer may have run. Okay, God motivates us to love and serve him and convicts us increasingly of our sin. God mysteriously testifies in our hearts that he is our father and we are his children. That's what he says. That's what he's speaking to our hearts, that uh, he is our father and we are his children. You see, I am his and he is mine. That needs to be our refrain. So here's the third one. I am more than a conqueror. Uh, Romans 8, verse 37. I, I can hear the West Indian ladies shouting this one at me when I'm walking down the hall at one of my old churches. All right. I am more than a conqueror. <laughs> Some people got that. We, uh, no, no, let me start again. Romans 8, verse 37. Uh, Knowing all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. This is a familiar scripture, of course. We have victory over sin and death ourself, the law, whatever it is, we have victory over it. We are more than conquerors against our sinful nature. I, what I, always, I always say to people, your sinful nature wants to go in the opposite direction of God 24 hours a day, seven days a week. It has no intention of ever coming close to God. So it's always about dying to self and yielding to Christ to say, God, you are going to rule over my life. No matter what my circumstances are, no matter what my situation is, you will always rule. We are more than conquerors against our sinful nature. We do this through Jesus, who has loved us first. Because of Christ in our life, we have victory over sin and death. I think of difficult situations that people are facing right now in our church. You see, we are more than conquerors. We have favor because of God's love for, act, for, love for us. In fact, his love is everlasting. It has no end. That's who he is. God's love accounts for us in all our sufferings. Here's another quote for you. The triumph over all such earthly troubles is brought about by the love and grace of Christ. The triumph over all such earthly troubles is brought about by the love and in grace of Christ. So let's jump over to uh, Ephesians 1, verse 6. We're on to our fourth one. I'm going through them quick today. Here we go. I am accepted in him. I'm going to read out of the New King James uh, Version because it reads it a little nicer than the, the, other, the other version I read. Verse 6, to the praise of the glory of his grace by which he made us accepted in the beloved. To the praise of of the glory of his grace by which he made us accepted in the beloved. I have a funny story. Can I read it to you today? Now you have to laugh. Okay, because if you don't laugh, the, the funny story part is just a waste of time. Okay, here we go. There is a tradition that Jonathan Edwards, third president of Princeton and America's greatest thinker, this is an old story, had a daughter, uh, he had a daughter with an un governable 
temper. Have you ever had a daughter with an ungovernable temper? Do not raise your hand. Okay. You know who you are. I have people in my family. I'm not going to name any names. But as, it's not my sister, by the way, but as is so often the case, this infirmity was not known to the outside world. <laughs> so the dad hid his crazy daughter is what happened, okay? Shh. Yeah, you be in. A worthy young man fell in love with this daughter and sought her hand in marriage. You can't have her, was the abrupt answer of Jonathan Edwards. So the guy says, but I love her. <laughs> oh, man. So you can't have her, said Edwards. But she loves me, replied the young man. Again, Edwards said, you can't have her. <laughs> Why, said the young man. This guy, is, he's serious. Okay. Why, said the young man. Because she is not worthy of you. <laughs> but, he asked, she is a Christian, is she not? Yes, she is a Christian, but the grace of God can live with some people with whom no one else could ever live. Oh, man. Oh, craziness. Imagine, oh, I can't imagine saying something like that. If I had a daughter like that, I'd say, you know what, brother? Go ahead. <laughs> oh, <laughs> till death do you part, sucker. Okay. I, well, that's what I would be thinking. I don't know why. Well, maybe I'd say it. Okay. I don't have a daughter, so I don't have to worry about it. Okay. Yeah. We have two spiritual blessings from God the Father. We have been chosen and adopted by him to be his spiritual children. You are chosen and adopted by him to be his spiritual children. Every single one of us. Every single one of us. The choice was made before the creation of the world with the result that we will someday stand before him holy and blameless. God chose that for each one of us before the world even began. He chose that for each of us. You see, this passage tells us that his grace is freely bestowed upon you and me. It's freely given to us. Uh, in the beloved is unique to this passage in the New Testament, the Lord Jesus has accepted us into this relationship together. He wants to know us completely and us fully, completely know him. That's what he wants. It's our great privilege to be accepted by God. That's our great privilege, that we are accepted by God. He does not have to spend an ounce of time for any one of us. And the truth is, you don't have to say it, but I know for each one of us, none of us deserve the free gift that he's given to us. None of us do. None of us are worthy enough. I love the uh, Old Testament priests. They, <laughs> I'm glad it don't happen anymore. Otherwise, I'd be long gone. They tie ankles around the priests. And when they go into the holies of holies, if it don't work out, drag that sucker back out. Come on. None of us are worthy. He's the same God. He hasn't changed. None of us are worthy of him. None of us are ever, ever worthy. It's our great privilege to be accepted by God. God, thank you for accepting me as your child. Thank you for, man, I'm thinking of some people. Thank you, Lord, you accepted them. Oh, my goodness. All right. Scripture teaches us that he loves us. He takes care of us. That's what Scripture tells us. He takes care of us. He brings us into his family. That's what God does. That's what the Lord Jesus does. Grace reveals to us the divine character of God. Grace reveals to us the divine character of God. 
We are accepted by God's love. I have another quote for you. His grace could not operate in our salvation apart from the atoning death of our Lord. For God is not only a loving God, but a righteous and just God who cannot pass by sin, but must require that it be paid for. Even though our sins have been forgiven for free, you and I know that they were bought with a price. They were bought with a price for every single one of us. You see, we're all looking for acceptance in one way or another. We live in a world where I just think that there's so many people, I I don't know how it would stack up over time, but there's so many people that are just looking for acceptance. They want to be accepted for who they are. They want to be accepted for what they believe. They want to be accepted for what they wear and what they say and how they live their life, how they don't live their life. We're all looking for acceptance in one way or another. Let's lay down our own pride to turn to the acceptance of our Lord Jesus. He's the only one we should be looking for acceptance to. Why would we look for the acceptance of a man when, we, when, all, when all we need to know is the acceptance of the King of Kings? He's the only one we need to be accepted by. He's the only one, only, only one. You see, Jesus the Messiah is who we find our acceptance It speaks of the love that God is and with which he loves the lost, the love which is the product of the Holy Spirit in the heart of the yielded believer. God loves us so much. So we're on to our final one this morning. I am complete in him. This is actually number 20 of 20. (laughs) And uh, I just found these, these last two with acceptance and then I am complete in him. I found such life in the scriptures. Uh, I'm going to read from Colossians 2 verse 10. Again, it's from New King James. It says this, you are complete in him who is the head of all principality and power. Church, we've lost focus. There are so, man, when I go, I, I, some of you don't care about these things. I go on Twitter. I have an account on Twitter. You can like, I know you guys don't look at that stuff, but I have an account on Twitter, and I love seeing people just tweet stupidness. And these people are politicians, <laughs> sports figures, leaders in business, all right? And these guys go psycho every, uh, uh, um, they go psycho after every time the brother down south that is in control right now says something ridiculous. Every time, all right? And it's like, and some of them are Christians, this is what I don't understand. And it's like they have not read this. You are complete in him who is the head of all principality and power. Everything that guy does down there, someone else is in control anyways. Why are we so consumed with the minute-by-minute soap opera is really what it is of what's going on? We have our own issues in our own country here where we go about these things and we're so concerned about it. He is the head of all principality and power. And we know that because we are complete in him. That's how we know that. You see, we're complete, we're full, because the one who holds the universe holds us in his hands. That's who is taking care of us. Just as Jesus is fully God, believers are fully complete in him. That's who we are. We abide, live in a world of incompleteness. That's why people don't understand why there's joy in our heart, because they are incomplete. If you don't know God, you are not 
You're not finished. You're not complete. You're not whole. That's why you feel empty. That's why you feel disenchanted and, and confused about all sorts of different things in life. We're always looking for what's next, our next friends, our next career opportunity, or our next career promotion. We're looking for the next thing to make us feel complete. We think we'll find completion in these things until you receive the revelation that we are only complete when we abide in the arms of God under the shadow of his wing. You will be hopelessly looking in all the wrong places forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. Oh, I've seen this in my friends. Uh, they think they find the one who makes them complete, so they marry them. And then they realize shortly after being married that that is not true. They got suckered into marrying somebody, all right? Then shortly after that, they decide, I'm going to have some kids. What? You bring kids into your crazy place, all right? And they have babies. A friend of mine, I think I told you this story. I was at lunch with him last year. He said to me, I prayed for my son for years and years and years. And one night when I was holding him in the middle of the night and he was screaming and I couldn't get him to be quiet, God reminded me that I prayed for this. That's the truth when you just want to like go, like pull out your hair and just, what has happened to my life? All right. <laughs> and that's what this guy said. I prayed for this to happen. Oh, man, so funny. But we fill our lives with all sorts of different things, relationships, children. We busy ourselves in a career in sports and extracurricular activities with our families. But we'll even find, and we'll even find fault in what everyone else is doing. When we're not complete, we find the fault in what everyone else is doing, why they're messed up, why their family has problems, why they can't keep their books balanced. Our completeness is found exclusively in Christ. That's where we find it. So let God open our eyes that we are only complete in him. If you don't have God, you're not complete. I'll be, I'll be bold enough to say it. If you don't have God, you're not complete. You're not whole. That's the truth. It's just, I didn't make it up. I read the book. Come on. All right. Our completeness is found exclusively in Christ. It is futile to look for spiritual fulfillment or maturity in any other place than Jesus Christ. Do you want to know why your circumstances aren't the way they should be? It's because we've tricked ourselves to believe that we can find fulfillment in some other thing than Jesus Christ. We'll never find it. We will never find it. Jesus is the treasure house of all wisdom and knowledge. He holds it all. We are complete in Christ. Uh, translated liter literally, in him we are complete. In him we're complete. Paul's challenge to us is to believe in the scripture is to believe that we are complete in Christ. We must reject anything less than this. Spirituality has a location and it is in Christ. The location of our spirituality, of our completeness, is in Christ. It's in no other place. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's nowhere else. We can only find it in Christ. No spouse, no children, no friend, no career, no amount of money, no amount of uh, popularity or fame or whatever. It doesn't matter. Whatever you want to call it. No amount of that will ever, ever, ever complete you. Only Jesus Christ completes. Uh, would you stand with me this morning? We're just going to close off here. I, uh, I've got a soft spot for Billy Graham, and so there's this, uh, this new worship album that came out, and he's uh, preaching at the end of this one song. So I've been listening to it over and over again for about a month now. 
And he uh, reads this scripture, and I'm going to read it to you. You guys know what it is. It's the most famous one in the world. He, it says, for <laughs> John 3, 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Today I think of every word that anyone has ever spoken negative about me, every word from when I was a young child until today. All right? Here's the truth. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. So let's pray together. So God, I thank you for today. I thank you for this series of messages, Lord. And Lord, just as the 20th of 20 is uh, the word complete, Lord, it does bring completion to not only our texts and our scriptures and our messages, Lord, but, Lord, we are only complete in you. I think of some people in this room who have uh, children and grandchildren and friends and uh, distant family members who are looking in places they will never find completeness in because they are not looking for you. God, I pray for their life right now. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would touch them by the power of the Holy Spirit. God, would you touch their lives? Would you touch their families? Would you touch their situation and circumstances? God, we are only complete when we're in you. That's it. It's as simple as that. That's how we find significance, how our life uh, has a sense of fullness and joy. God, our past is gone today, and we look to the future that God has promised through each one of these promises. So God, today we thank you that we're chosen, that we're called, that we're being changed into your image, that we're a new creation, that we're a temple of the Holy Spirit, that we're forgiven, we're redeemed, we're blessed. We're the head and not the tail, Lord. We're above and not beneath. We're victorious, we're set free, we're strong in the Lord. We're healed by his wounds. We're free from condemnation. We're reconciled to God. We're heirs with Christ. We're more than conquerors. We're accepted in him, and we are complete in the arms of God today. So God, we thank you for that. So Jesus, I pray for each person in this place. Would you uh, uh, be with us? For those visiting and those from out of town with us today, Lord, I pray you'd uh, just allow us to have a great time together. And Lord, would you bless those as they go back to their homes in the coming days. And Father, would you just uh, continue to make Queensway a light in dark places, Lord. You would continue to make Queensway a light in this region, Lord. This is not just about Espanola. This is about much more than that. This is about a region of Canada that needs to be touched. And so, Lord, would you continue to do that and work in us through us? Would you give us vision? Would you give us discernment? Would you give us ideas, Lord? Would you give us favor with government? Would you give us favor with people in this region, Lord? God, I just pray that people would be so jealous of who we are because of the good things and the favor and the blessing that you're sending our way. So, Father, would you minister to us in that way? In Jesus' name, everyone said, Amen. I have a scripture to read to you. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy. To the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, authority before all time and now and forever. Amen. I love that scripture. I gave you my favorites today. Be blessed. See you next week. Same time, same place. And uh, if you want prayer, please come forward. I'd love to pray for you. All right. Bless you, everyone.